Just Go With It is a podcast hosted by two millennials who swear. And also, it's about horror films, so listener discretion is advised. We will put specific content warnings in the show notes. Boo. <laughs> Are you ready? I don't know if anyone's ready. It's not that wild. <laughs> Relax. Okay. Kate intimidated one truck and now she thinks she can do whatever she wants. <laughs> just, I, we needed the food. We just got food and I went to go pick it up because I'm the gatherer. Uh-huh. And then we got back to the car and this one car wouldn't move so we couldn't back out. And finally, Kate just got out of the car and stared at him until they drove away. And I was like, the hunter. <laughs> it was much more effective than I anticipated it being. It was Nikki so was like funny. Mid-story, and I'm just like, fuck it. I, I was out of the car. Just <laughs> talking, and Kate gets up, and I was just like, oh, okay. And then truck just left. So <laughs> you love to see it. <laughs> um, uh, the balance. Speaking you know. of intimidating. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 30 days of night? Yeah. That, how was that? That's a good one. The vampires do intimidating things. Oh, that would make more sense. Mm. I was thinking that night seems to be intimidating sometimes. Oh. When it's well. 30 days of it. <laughs> yeah, we can go with that. Whatever. <laughs> okay. Speaking of 30 days of night. Yes. I have some fun facts. I'm so ready. I'm glad. I don't have that many facts. So you looked at me with excitement and I wanted to... Make sure you knew. It was actually kind of difficult to find it was information on. hard to find stuff on. Yeah. I like, you know, usually go to one website. I'm like, whatever. This time I was like, I'll look around. I couldn't find much. But it's hard to find stuff on it. Yeah. Um, so it was made in 2007 mm-hmm. uh, based on a comic book miniseries. It had three issues written, <laughs> written by. Written by. <laughs> written by Steve Niles and illustrated by Ben Templesmith. Uh, the illustrations are pretty cool. Pretty neat. Uh, I liked it. It was directed by David Slade, not David Spade. Well, to be clear, everything I thought I knew has just crumbled to the ground. Imagine if it was David Spade. No, I could not. Actually, weird. No, David Slade. He also did Hard Candy, episodes of Breaking Bad, Hmm? Awake, Hannibal, Crossbones, Hmm. Powers, American Gods, and Black Mirror, and one more. Do you know what it is? Legally Blonde 2. No. I have no idea. Twilight Eclipse. No. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I read that fact and I was like, (gasps) we got a Twilight. Oh my God. We got a Twilight fan on our hands. He's probably not a fan. No, he probably fucking hates it as much (laughs) as our pack does. He hates it as much. Listen, I hate it too. I still love it though. Yeah. I love hate it. Mm -hmm. Um, Moving on. The screenplay was by Steve Niles. So the person who wrote the, uh, the comic book um it was oh written by steve niles stuart Beatty, or betty i'm not sure i think it's Beatty and brian nelson so it was written all together um like the screenplay was adapted mm-hmm. uh and the cinematography was joe willems also did hard candy uh the new movie his house that is on netflix oh yeah hunger games mocking jay and catching fire oh. uh, he also did american gods uh red sparrow and <laughs> confessions of a shopaholic <laughs> Oh, one of these is not like the other. Yeah, I was reading the the movies and I was like, okay, yeah, this, okay. Huh. (laughs) That one really threw me through a loop. But sure. Uh, The music was by Brian Reitzel. He was Mm. known for working with Sofia Coppola. He did Virgin Suicides, Friday Night Lights, Stranger Than Fiction, Marie Antoinette, and a lot of TV. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, he did I, Hannibal too, right? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. It was on the list of like, look, a lot of these people have worked together. Like yeah. a lot of them have done similar shows, similar movies. Like seems like they, yeah, a tight knit group. I feel like I was reading something and they were like, yeah, the way he uses like percussion and like new instruments. Mm-hmm. And then they said Hannibal was like, oh yeah, you can totally <laughs> track it to Hannibal. Really? Oh, I yeah. haven't seen Hannibal, but I oh, need to. Just listen to like 10 minutes of it and you'll hear it. <laughs> and you'll know. <laughs> you'll know. Um, okay. And then the budget. Was thirty million? Mm. Do you know how much it made? Forty million. No, seventy-five point five million. I so really, it, I didn't know which way. I was like, yeah. I'm gonna say that they at least made their money back, right? Like it was not okay. horrible. Like it wasn't a huge success, but it wasn't bad either. Mm-mm. Um, it's not rated well no. on Rotten Tomatoes or anything really. Which I I don't know. I'm surprised. We'll get to it. We'll I'm get surprised. To it. I mean. <laughs> Yeah. And then I don't have a ton of fun facts because, like I said, it's kind of hard to find. Um, It was produced by Sam Raimi and Robert Tapert or Tapper. Sam Raimi, we know. Evil Dead, a lot of things, tons of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But this other guy, Robert Tapert, do you know what he is the co-creator of? You're going to love this. Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Xena, Warrior Princess. Yep. Amazing. We got some fucking bangers in here. Twilight Eclipse. Yeah. Confessions of a Shopaholic. Never seen it. Yeah, <laughs> but dang. Holy shit. Okay. Yeah, so, huh. hell yeah. Uh, and then my last fact here. Danny Houston. Is it Houston? Hold on. Yes. Danny Houston. He's the leader of the vampires. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is the half-brother of Angelica Houston. Oh. Yeah. Neat. Huh. What a fun little fact. Yeah. Fun. I yeah. love Angelica Houston. <laughs> yeah. Everyone was like, oh, it's so weird to see Danny in this role. And I was like, I have no idea like, who this who? person is. <laughs> um, and it was also shot in Alaska and New Zealand. Mm. So it was split between the two. Okay. Um, I don't know. It didn't say exactly like which shots were what and when, what scenes were in which area. But yeah. that's, those are the two places. So It's more Alaska than uh, the fourth kind is. Don't. <laughs> 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 I hate that movie so much. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Those are my fun facts. Mm-hmm. God. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm ready. I got this. Okay. okay. The sun goes down for 30 days and 30 nights in a town in Alaska and everything goes to shit. Yes. That's it. Also, they're vampires. No, I'm not gonna. <laughs> no, just everything goes to shit, okay? Everything goes to shit. I don't need to give it all away. Oh, keep them, like, guessing. Keep them wanting keep more. Keep them wanting more. I'm playing hard to get. Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> Give me a real one. Well, um, Rotten Tomatoes was not playing hard to get. They never are. They never are. In the far northern hemisphere, the small town of Barrow, Alaska. Already too much info. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care where you are. I don't care. It's not Geography Corner. <laughs> get out of here. Get out. The small town of Barrow, Alaska experiences a solid month of darkness every year. Though most of the residents head south for the winter, some townspeople remain behind. However, those that stay regret their decision when, one year, hungry vampires descend on Barrow to feed. Sheriff Eben, his wife, and a dwindling band of survivors must try to last until dawn breaks over Barrow's month-long twilight. Oh, twilight. Uh, twilight. <laughs> also, I read dwindling, and I was like, hold on, that's my name. No. <laughs> start calling you dwindling. <laughs> hey, dwindler. What's up, dwindler? <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's a good summary. Yeah. I mean, you're giving a lot away, but like, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Um, I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you've covered for this. I am just, especially because you said it was hard to find info. Yeah. I can't wait to see what you covered. Because this movie is not, I, it was a mixed response when I said that this was the movie we were doing. Mm-hmm. Some people were like, 
oh yeah, I kind of know that movie. Other people were like, hell yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> they were pumped. And I was like, okay. That really summarizes accurately the reviews because some That's people, <clears throat> of the people that had like really positive reviews, mm-hmm. they all said, okay, okay, forget that the plot is not forget. good. Forget <laughs> that. Forget the plot holes. Now just appreciate the vampires. Just appreciate and like the it, vampires. Right? <laughs> and everyone's like, yeah, sure. Okay, I like it that way. Right, exactly. And, you know, we'll get to it. I'm just excited to talk about it. I've got, I've got opinions. Uh-huh. But what did you talk about? Okay. So I know this is not a slasher movie, but I do want to touch upon something from a previous episode. Mm-hmm. So I remember when we talked about the three phases of the slasher subgenre. Yeah. And it was during our Halloween month. Yes. October, as it's called. <laughs> Sorry. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Halloween month. <laughs> I was going to say our classic movie month. And then I was like, well, it was Halloween month. Wait, that's October. <laughs> it works. <laughs> anyway. No worries. <laughs> so as mentioned previously, <clears throat> the slasher subgenre has gone through phases. We had the classical period, mm-hmm. which set the conventions and was reflective of the cultural values around purity mm-hmm. and all that shit. The postmodern period was about parody and pastiche of the classical era slashers. And then we had the neo-slashers of the millennium. Those neo-slashers had themes and plots that were influenced by societal anxieties after 9-11. So the relevant trends were giant monsters like in Cloverfield, torture oh, porn, yeah, like yeah, we're not yeah. covering, and home yep. invasion films. We talked about why... <laughs> I did like the thing. You up. did the little fingers, and I was like, what? We it's talked okay. about why these were common trends. Mm-hmm. The giant monster helped reflect our fear of a sudden pointless death. Home invasion films deal with the fear of your safe space being breached. Right. There are horror films where someone... Nope. There are horror films where someone is where they arguably shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Like a forest or a haunted house, whatever. But your home is supposed to be sacred. Right. And when someone violently intrudes on that space, that's terrifying. Basically, it's just ripping the rug out from under you. While this is more of a town invasion film than a home invasion film, there are critical elements such as, notably, the, incur- the incursion of a foreign other. Right. So what could be more other than an unknown creature that speaks a different language, often treaks, to communicate, and has notable differences in appearance? Yeah. I'm going to save a lot of it for another vampire movie, but I do want to talk about the history of vampires and how they arose as others. Yeah, all right. And the vampires that we have historically, they've gone through cycles and shit, but they're very different from the vampires we have in 30 Days of Night. Right. Obviously, our story of vampires and their cultural roots have changed over the centuries, and I'll get into that when we actually cover another vampire movie that is relevant to that. (laughs) Right. But to me, it's actually only incidental that these are vampires. Yeah. I don't think it is as much about the way that we have historically used them. Yeah. Anyway, in this movie, vampires were leveraged in a way that wasn't about seduction, temptation, trickery, etc. Right. They were monsters in that they were amoral and thirsty for blood. Yeah. They didn't attempt to blend in, to seduce, to lure away. It was just an outright attack once they'd had their human do the prep work. As if you could fight me off. As if you could outrun me. <laughs> God, I love Twilight. As Steve Niles said, he wanted, quote, eating machines. Yeah. When he okay. designed his vampires. That's I, what he wanted. I also read something that was like, I wanted a scary vampire movie, which I feel like hadn't really been done. Which I was yeah. like, it's kind of fair. I mean, yeah. there's they're scary and unsettling, but... I guess before that, you didn't really have a a vampire movie that was purely, like, terror. Yeah. You know? So, a lot of the dialogue around, like, vampires around Mm -hmm. this time was how 
tame they'd gotten and, and how sexy. sexy. <laughs> yeah, they were like, you know, you have the Anne Rice vampires that are right. very rich and wealthy and how they're all like, you know, white collar vampires. Uh, I just want to sit here uh-huh. and read and then eat a person. <laughs> Steve Niles wanted eating machines. Yeah. For now, we're going to keep the vampire lore pretty basic. But there was this thesis that I found. I haven't read all of it. It's only like 30 pages. Yeah. Um, and I printed it out. I just didn't have time to read all of it. But it's called Fear Then and Now, colon, The Vampire as a Reflection of Society. Mm-hmm. And it's written by Mackenzie Phelps. And the basic premise from Phelps is that vampires are mirrors held up to society to say, what if you're as immoral as you're afraid you are? Phelps said that, quote, we fear the reality of human society. We fear to admit that we are fallible. Fear to admit we are prejudiced, selfish, and cruel. It is through monsters that we give life to our imperfections, mistakes, and injustices, and can vicariously defeat these faults and fears. Mm -hmm. I wonder, however, how we see monster movies after 9-11. Because the monster isn't something grown out of our society Mm -hmm. in some of those films, but some dehumanized creature that came from another land, one that we don't understand. Mm. What if we combine this perspective on vampires with some of the themes of invasion horror? So... According to an article from Nightmare on Film Street, which I think is also a podcast. I haven't listened yet, but they it's seem to be a good name cool. for a podcast, so, you it know. Is, yeah. yeah, I'm mad that they were uh, several years ahead of us. Damn yeah. it. No, they sound pretty cool. <laughs> uh, so, quote, these films were concerned with invasion from, quote, foreign outsiders and the need to restore normative masculinity. Basically, men needed to step up and defend their families. Mm. So if we follow the plot of 30 Days of Night, we see Eben ultimately be the one to step up and sacrifice his own humanity to save what remains of his family. Right. There's even the reunification of a nuclear family at the end. Wife and husband reunited. Stella says she never should have left him. He's scared off the vamps by doing the manly thing and injecting himself with a vampire <laughs> blood from his dead co-worker. Yeah. So there's that. So there's the outside threat, challenge to the family, and ultimate triumph from embracing American values and the reliance on the nuclear family as the cornerstone of society. So instead of holding up a mirror and asking us to tell us if we like what we see, the vampire seems to be operating differently in this case. To me, it's not as much about, like, look at your deepest fears about yourself. It's about look at your deepest fears about strangers. Okay. They don't come from their community. They don't speak their language. They're also visually othered. And I want to dig into the visually otherness or the visual otherness of them. Right. So how do we historically and presently make monsters to be the sinister other? Yeah. We'll start with the general and then get as granular as we can. Spoiler, not very granular. There is very little on the monster design of this. Yeah. I quote pretty much everything I found. Uh, I have a lot of things, but it's fine. A lot of things in that I couldn't find much. Mm -hmm. So we're going to start off very general, move to the specific, minimally. So... Othering is, quote, viewing or treating a person or group of people as intrinsically different from an alien to oneself. So othering happens across the way that people identify or exist, across any way people yeah. identify or exist. So we can other people based on race, class, gender identity, religion, etc. Mm-hmm. I just want to provide that because I realized that, like, I come from a liberal arts school and you do too. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, people may not know that. <laughs> right. So for now, we'll dig into racist othering. So for centuries, white folks have been othering black folks, indigenous folks, and other people of color as well. White people love to other. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. We sure do. There's a lot of really, really cool scholarship on that. Um, Really? Oh, yeah, where they talk about uh, whiteness can only exist in opposition to something else. So Ah. whiteness only exists as subjugation of others because there is no whiteness without the subjugation of black lives. Oh, yeah, duh. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like one of those things where someone says it and you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> right? You're like, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I would love to get into that sometime. Right. Now is not that time. I have to talk about other things right now. But essentially, um, 
we see this othering and the levels of violence against these people, income inequality, wealth inequality, home ownership, et cetera. Yeah. And of course, it's perpetuated structurally through laws and systems, but that othering is also transmitted in culture and media. And we've talked about how depictions of marginalized communities in film have historically been dehumanizing and currently are, but also yeah. historically. We talked about the trope where the only black character dies for the white family that did nothing for her. The reduction of a character to their ethnicity, where that is everything relevant about them. Yeah. And then the way that we demonize cultures based on their supposed inferiority. But there's also the depiction of non-human others and how, intentionally or not, the creature design pulls in racist caricatures. Oh. Yeah. So we talked about it a smidge last week when I mentioned Audrey too. Yes. Uh, and when we talked about the clothing that right. the gremlins wear. The gremlins. Mm-hmm. So there are at least two examples we haven't discussed yet as yeah. it pertains to the monster design. One of which is the creature design in Creature from the Black Lagoon, which I'm saving for when we actually yeah. cover it. Mm-hmm. And I did a lot of the notes on it, and then we decided to change the episode yeah, that yeah. week, which was a good call. Like, right. Yeah. So the other, which I'll dig into a bit now, is the description and depiction of orcs in the Lord of the Rings universe. Yeah, this I know about. Yeah, and I feel fine covering this now since I don't anticipate covering Lord of the Rings ever. I don't think we'll ever do Lord of the Rings. I don't think so. I feel confident saying we're not going to cover Lord of the Rings. Now that I know Elijah would like NFTs. <sighs> That was my boy. He was your boy. R.I.P. to my biggest crush. I'm so sorry. It's okay. Do you still have your locket? Fuck no. Huh. Fuck that guy. <laughs> Take this NFT. <laughs> if you're looking to be in my locket, the space is open. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Applications are open. You have to hit capitalism and NFTs. Yes. Mm-hmm. If you don't, deal breaker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, getting back to orcs and racism. Yes. Yes. So some folks might be like, how could a mythical creature be racist? It's literally taking place in an imaginary world. Well, well, because those creatures are created by humans with biases. Who are not in an imaginary world. Really. <laughs> so folks have pointed out how J.K. Rowling. Oh, I was just about to be like, those <laughs> goblins, bro. <clears throat> how Gringotts goblins reflect some of the worst stereotypes of Jewish folks. And the traits of those goblins can it's be traced back to anti-Semitic propaganda. So bad. Oh, it's bad. And it's another one of those things that... I didn't know until someone right. pointed out because I'm not Jewish. And I didn't it's like, realize it until this is a, I was like, oh. It's again a place of privilege because it's like I never noticed because I was never at the receiving end of that hate mm-hmm. <laughs> or violence. And so it's like, shit, now that mm-hmm. I see it, okay. Right. <laughs> and, you know, we could talk more about JK Rowling and like all the problematic bullshit. <sighs> Ugh. But what about orcs and J.R.R. Tolkien? Yeah. This can be a very contentious discussion, as it is usually the case when people point out problematic elements of beloved authors and their franchises, especially when they're white. While Tolkien was quite publicly opposed to the Nazi regime, there are a shit ton of biographers that will pull various elements from his private letters and the general Lord of the Rings universe saying, Mm -hmm. like, orcs are caricatures of non-European others, and he said that. Where, like, he does have, like, correspondence that talks about, like, they... God, what was it? I think it was pre-war Germany. And they were like, okay, well, you have to like make it very clear that you're Aryan so that we can publish your book in Germany. And he was like, no, that's made up. Like, I could only be so lucky as to be like a member of like the Jewish tradition, whatever. Yeah. But then he also has these letters that biographers have found where he was like, yeah, you know, the um, unsightly like noses. It's bad. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. So- Yikes. Caveat on all of this, I am not saying I read this in his private letters, just right. that I found these sources that said that he said these things. Yeah. Anyway, so their skin tone, their eyes, their noses, their, uh, like, conglomeration? 
congregate. Nope. They're a combination yeah. of uh, the worst stereotypes of non-Europeans or like what Europeans fear non-Europeans to be. Right. And the creature design of orcs in the movies have been compared to the anti-Japanese propaganda during World War II. Ooh. Yeah. So as usual, I'll put my sources in the extended show notes. And again, I can't speak to intention. And for this conversation, I'm not actually interested in intention. Uh, I'm interested in the ways that we replicate what we see around us, the Mm -hmm. good and the awful, whether we mean to or not, and how that operates in society. Yeah. And I'm not saying that intention isn't important if someone's like a total fucking asshole. Yeah. Or racist or whatever. But I'm saying that for this conversation, that's not the part we're focusing on. Yeah. So this is where we can get back to the movie we're actually covering. (laughs) So in this case... I couldn't find much on this specific vampire design. Right. Because as I was watching it, I was like, why do all the vampires look different? Like, yeah, they don't. None of them not, look. The only, like, factors that all of them share, black eyes, mm-hmm. sharp teeth, pale. Right. And then from there, they had, well, I'll get into it. According to Gino, uh, he was the uh, the artistic. Artistic director? Sure. Okay. <laughs> uh yeah yeah uh i actually had it somewhere like his actual title don't remember what it is oh so gino was the one that like led the creative team for that design i believe yeah so direct quote 30 days of night director david slade wanted the vampires to have a skin that looked to have skin that looked almost like ice and little jagged shark like teeth mm-hmm. gino said we had to come up with all these different kinds of looks for the vampires and gives credit to many of his fellow Vita teammates who came up with all kinds of different looks of the vampires yeah that was all a direct quote it was a lot of repetition anyway these different looks were very inconsistent in terms of creature design, at least yeah. to me. So as we mentioned, they all have the black eyes, abnormally pale skin, and very pointy teeth. However, some of them have very rotated eyes. And if you look yeah. at side-by-sides of the actors that portray those vampires, and then the vampires, they made the eyes smaller, further apart, and then rotated them inward. Okay. And to me, I couldn't stop thinking, is this supposed to be a, a racist caricature of Asian folks? Oh, okay. And I don't think that that was the intent. So I'll get into it. So the creature designers talked about wanting to make their faces animal-like and basically That's what I took it as, yeah. So they were probably going for like shark or snake. Yeah. In terms of like the face shape where it like points. That's, like, the yeah, they look very snake-like like to me. Point. Yeah. But I still wonder how it operates in the context of the movie. Mm-hmm. Because after 9-11, we have the invasion horror film where the monsters speak a different language and look very different from the protagonists. It's not the typical vampires reflect our fears of our worst nature. It's these strangers are not human. Yeah. We can tell by looking at them and they're dangerous to us. And this is especially interesting in the context of Alaska and the fact that in the graphic novel, the major protagonists are indigenous and in the movie adaptation, they're white. And Alaska yeah. is another story of white people invading indigenous land. Right. So it's interesting that the white people, and there are indigenous folks in the town in the movie, yeah. but predominantly white people are being invaded by a different foreign person. Yeah. So as the author of the article, um, Nightmare on Film Street, this isn't to say that 30 Days of Night is meant to be propaganda mm-hmm. or education on like the right way to be, but it does offer us a way to understand ourselves. So what did we create when we were afraid and confused? How do we receive that content and how does it influence other content? Yeah. So again, I really don't think that the intent was like, we're going to change this facial feature and it's going to remind people of their fear of this specific group of people. Right. But I think it's also interesting in the way that we receive certain facial differences. Yeah. And the way that we code other people as different. Yeah. So. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. 
I was, I, a lot of my notes were about the character design. Now I feel like a dummy. No. <laughs> I don't think that, like, to me, this is not a condemnation of the character design or the creature design. Yeah. To me, I was mostly confused at the inconsistency because not all of the vampires had that look to them. I thought it was that they changed the older and the longer that they were vampires. I thought so too, but then Marlo was in charge. The Danny, whatever. I just assumed that he hadn't been a vampire that long. Mm. And he was just terrifying. Okay. Because Josh Hartnett fucking kills him and then everybody's like, well, we'll listen to you now. I yeah. just assumed it was because they were like, whoop, scariest one, you win. Yeah. So that's, that's, I was just like, I don't know, maybe. I have no idea. And then at some point when I realized how many plot holes are in this movie, I realized <laughs> that it is definitely not intentional. <laughs> like, not there is intentional. no, there's no meaning there. But Boy. I, regardless of, you know, my fears of what it could be. Yeah. I think that watching it, it's just fascinating to see the different ways we receive it in like certain xenophobic contexts or like. Right when we are afraid or when we're saying they took our jobs, like all that racist bullshit. Yeah. How does it change how we receive certain things? Yeah. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. Uh, there was no consistency with the way the vampires mm -hmm. were made, but I was like, okay, like <laughs> I just let it slide. This is a movie you got to take at face value and just be oh, like, yeah. what a fun movie if you ignore a lot of stuff. Yeah. And okay. Before we recorded, I said, Nikki, I just want to know before we start, how do you feel about this movie? And they were like, I'm afraid to say. And I was like, no, this is safe space. And then- Nick I is, waited for a long time uh -huh. before I answered. And then I went, I, I liked it. And Kate went, oh, I did too. Yeah. <laughs> I really enjoyed this movie. I really did too. I was like really looking forward to watching it too. I don't know why. As soon as our patrons picked this one, by the way, patron pick. We always forget to say it until the end, but I'm not forgetting this time. You're, patrons yeah, picked this it. movie- um, and I was really excited when it was on the list. I was like, all right, fuck yeah. Yeah. And then when they picked it, I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm really excited to watch this. Um, and then I started it and I was just as excited. I don't oh, know. Yeah. I loved watching this movie. I'll watch yeah. it again. Yeah. It, Cause you know, we've talked about before. It takes a lot to like focus on a movie and keep my attention really, really well. And it, it did. Like I, this was one of the films that I just, I didn't really look away. Cause I was like. I like this. Like, <laughs> I'm really enjoying what's going on. Um, plot holes aside. Yeah. I think they I think they benefit from the fact that it is a very cool premise. Mm. And I think the cinematography is beautiful. That overhead shot. <gasps> I think they're incredible. I think their cinematography is so beautiful. And I think that it's got a lot of cool moments that it's like plot holes. I don't know her. I don't give a shit. Because it's interesting. Because like. If you let yourself get too hung up on the plot holes, you don't enjoy the really cool stuff that is happening. Yeah. So you kind of just have to be like, that's fine, whatever. <laughs> so you can enjoy it. And then once you do, good shit. Yeah. Um, we're talking about horror now, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I will start by also saying, uh, I'm going to make a little announcement real quick. And if you need to skip ahead, totally fine. I'm about to talk about Midnight Mass. If y'all want to skip ahead because you don't want to know about that show... Go for it. I'll make a, a funky little noise when I'm done talking. And if you hear that funky noise, you've skipped ahead far enough. Uh -huh. um, Excellent. Midnight Mass. This reminded me of that show quite a bit. Yeah, um, same. Not just in plot, because skip ahead, there are vampires. That's mm -hmm. what the whole thing ends up being. And obviously they handle it way different, but it's very similar in that you have a small town. They know a way of life. They know what they know and they, that's, they stick to it. Mm -hmm. Same with this town. 
they know the cold. They know these, you know what I mean? Like they kept saying, we know how to live here. Well, so did the people at Midnight Mass. And look how well that went. I mean. (laughs) And you have that same like journey through the town of just massacre. Yes. And you also have a lot of beautiful overhead Mm -hmm. shots to show you like, look how small this is. And look how like tight of a community this is. Everyone knows each other. They really did a lot of those like similar things. Not saying that they are inspired, you know, well, obviously one's not inspired by the other considering Midnight Mass just came out not that long ago, but not saying that Midnight Mass is inspired by 30 Days of Night. I don't know that. I'm just saying that they have a lot of really cool similarities that I was like, that's really neat. I kept thinking of Midnight Mass as I was yeah. watching it because it was like the overhead shot, you know, the a lot of night those shots of like where... horror, the small townness, like a lot. A lot of it was very deadpan, beautiful cinematography of like, We'll get to it. I just love the cinematography quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And it reminded me so much of the two that I was, I think, even more excited to watch it as it went because it reminded me of a show Mm -hmm. that I really enjoyed. So I was like, hell yeah. Okay. Um, All right. I'll make a funny noise. Okay. We're done talking about Midnight Mass. Yeah. Did you like the noise? I was was wondering what it was going to be. That followed my heart. Um. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I could see in your eyes, you didn't know what was going to come out of your mouth. No, I never do. (laughs) I just like to go wild. Um, okay, let me get to my notes because I took some. Good. Okay. I, for a minute, I thought I had one note and I was like, uh-oh, <laughs> but I found them. Um, my, it, it started off so strong with that opening shot with the boat and the person standing. Yeah. Ugh! The, as soon as I saw that, I was like, this is gonna be fucking good because I love deadpan shots that are just mm-hmm. like, boom. <laughs> like, when it shows you everything you need to see, but the things that you need to see are very small. So you're yeah. not getting like details, but you do get to see um, the gravity of like a situation. Like he, that guy was so small. Yeah. You see the absolute nothingness around him. Exactly. You, know, you see this boat that's either leaving or coming in and you're like, this is not good. Like it gave you an ominous feeling right away. And I loved it. Um, and then... Right from this shot of him watching this boat, absolute nothingness, you get a shot of him on a cliff looking down at the town. And I didn't know who this man was at first. Obviously, if you're watching it, you you don't know who he is because they don't say anything. And I wrote, if this mystery man ends up being the reason for all of this, uh, for all of this issue and all of these problems, I think it's interesting that they keep showing him looking at things that are so much bigger than he is, but he's going to destroy them all. Mm. And I was right. (laughs) And I think that that's so smart because you're showing this like one guy who has nothing special about him. He doesn't have weapons. He's just in a coat like, but he's going to ruin everything. Like not alone. I'm not saying that he ruins everything by himself, but groundwork necessary. Exactly. And it's like, one person can do so much damage. And I think that it speaks to the fact that like monsters are scary, but so are people. Yeah. I think that that's, it was just a really cool shot that gave you like the sense of this is bad right away, even though you did not know this person. Um, So that was great. I said the overhead shots are also absolutely gorgeous because it shows you how isolated they are. Mm. I mean, I'm assuming that's very intentional to show you like, there's nothing here. I thought about covering isolation and I was like, Oh really? Eh, eh you know, <laughs> it would have been, it would have been a cool topic, but it also felt like it was too, too easy. obvious. Like a, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It felt like it was like, Oh, of course we'll talk about isolation. But right. Anyway. Sorry, and, but I, I think it's really cool that they got that feeling pretty much immediately. Cause you see this town, there's nothing there. 
Uh, you do get the quote in the beginning that says like a roadless town to, to give you the sense of like, there's no way in, no way out kind of thing without knowing how to get out and in. Yeah. So that's really cool. Um, I said, uh, snowy, cold, and dark is like my ideal living situation. <laughs> so when they showed like people leaving, I'd be like, I'm loving this. 30 days of just darkness. Oh, sign me up. <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> I love I, snow. Oh. I love cold. I can't get on board with the darkness because I get very sad at night. <laughs> oh, man. I thrive. The minute it gets dark, I'm like, finally. Like, <laughs> I'm worried about myself for sure. I'm worried <laughs> it might be some kind of vampire. I don't know. Also, I thought this was a zombie movie. <laughs> I, kept, I kept being like, yeah, we're watching 30 Days of Night. That good zombie movie. <laughs> And why do the zombies love night, Nikki? <laughs> that part didn't actually cross my mind. Um, in my, <laughs> I kept talking about it to my friend at work. No. She was like, what are you watching? I was like, oh, it's this good zombie movie no. called 30 Days of Night. No. And I was just like, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. And I didn't figure it out until the first attack. Like, I need you to know how long I was watching this going I'm gonna okay I read this quote to you and I lied I'm gonna read the real quote because now I know that you know the truth yeah I was about to say I was gonna say we're going back to the stranger and if this mystery man ends up being the reason for this sickness because <laughs> I thought he was gonna get them all sick yep I even saw one of the girls in the town and I went, I remember her. She's one of the first vampires or no zombies. Oh my God. I was so wrong. Oh no. But like, it wasn't until they like grabbed the one guy in the dark and like pulled him in and then, which we'll get to the horror of it, but they started eating him and I went weird. They like really like blood. I thought they were more brain kind of zombies, but it's interesting. They're really doing interesting things with zombies here. Then it kept going. Then it showed like their teeth. Then they started talking. And I was like, oh, I think they're vampires. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, it didn't really set in until they were like, something about the light. And I was like, oh, okay. They're definitely, <laughs> yup, yup. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I, <laughs> I even went in after watching it to my friend at work. And I went, turns out they're vampires. <laughs> she was like, I wondered. <laughs> I was just so disappointed in myself. <laughs> I watched that zombie movie. Lots of vampires. <laughs> I was so bad. That's when I finally was like, this is a lot like Midnight Mass. Weird that it has zombies. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. So my next note was, so these are vampires, not zombies? Question mark. Oh my God. <laughs> All I knew about this movie was... There are 30 days of night, so that's good for vampires. That is everything I knew going Listen, into Listen, that's probably good for a zombie, too. <laughs> As we know from Dying Light, the volatiles come out at night. So there you go. Get, being a gamer has taught me that zombies can love the night, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But let's get to real things. My next note was hot girl with a gun. I was really into this girl, I okay? Girl, you know, Stella got a gun. <laughs> she had a gun, and she was really cute. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I hope this doesn't awaken anything in me. <laughs> I just wasn't ready. I forgot how cute the lead girl in this was. Oh, my God. Sorry. Excuse wow. me. Wow. It's not my fault for once. It's all about the birds. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. Um, and also, I, they had really, really dark blue lighting 
for a lot of it, which is cool. And, you know, I'm just saying Twilight, so did, so did Twilight. So I'm seeing some connection. <laughs> but but genuinely, I, I think that an iconic duo is cold settings, blue lighting. Yeah. You can't really go wrong, you know? Yeah. So we had the same kind of thing in Pontypool. Not yep. for the whole movie, but just for the parts that were outside. Very blue. Yeah. You kind of gotta, you know? <laughs> um. I think the only time you would use like really warm light in a cold situation is if you are purposefully trying to do like a more lighthearted, like we love the snow, you know? Um, But if you're going for horror and cold and you want the audience to feel that cold, you go ice blue. You gotta. Um, I'm trying to think of a movie that's like in the cold, but is happy. Oh, see, I thought you were going to say in the cold, but has red light. And I was going to be like Chernobyl, perhaps. And then I was like, oh, not happy. (laughs) Not not red. Definitely not red. But when like very warm, very inviting lighting, I think is like only if you're making movies. Yeah, exactly. So like, I don't know why this is the one I'm thinking of, but like the, the movie Snow Day. Did you ever watch that as a kid? It's about kids having a snow day. Um, but like that's super warm lighting and obviously like why would you have blue light? It's supposed to be a lighthearted movie about yeah. kids who love the snow. Yeah. So it is very warm. Again, you gotta go blue. <laughs> uh, vampire movies have taught us a lot about blue lighting. Twilight. Zombie movies haven't taught us as much about blue light as we thought they would. <sighs> I know they're vampires now! <laughs> Um, I said there's so many deadpan shots, too, that this movie reminded me a lot, not in plot or anything else, just in cinematography, reminded me so much of The Black Coat's Daughter. Mm. I'm going to say it well, because last time I said this, I got a little bit mocked by our sweet, beautiful guest. You were gently questioned. Okay, I wasn't mocked. I was gently questioned by our sweet guest, Adel Rafai, who said that I say this a little weird, and he's right, because I listened to it. Black Coat's Daughter. Black yes. Coat's Daughter. Yes. It is a very good movie. We covered it. And um, again, took place in winter. Blue light. Mm. Um, some of those shots were warm. There we go. Some of those shots were like warm light when uh, the students are like still there and mm. they're showing them like walk around and nothing bad has happened yet. Very warm. Then it gets real fucking blue and shit goes bad. <laughs> um, especially at night. Uh, so I think that they were really similar because so many of the deadpan shots felt like paintings. Mm. And I remember I said that that one reminded me of like portraiture. portraiture. This one reminded me of not portraiture, but of big wide landscape paintings. Mm. Um, I have my favorite shots written down and I'll get to those, but a lot of it reminded me of big landscape paintings. Cause there, mm. it was obviously I'm watching this on my TV, so I can't say for sure. I think it was scope. Do you remember if it had the bars on top? I don't think it did. Okay. Well, either way, a lot of the shots were sprawling. Like, and even if they weren't... You look at aspect ratio? Yep. Aspect ratio 30. Is it 1.98 or 2 point... What's it say? Uh, 2.4 to 1. Okay, that's scope. Oh, okay. I was wrong. Um, So it's a scope film, uh, which makes sense. Like I said, sprawling landscapes usually have... And this movie actually was supposed to be shot in 35 millimeter. Um... I don't know if they ended up doing that for sure. Hmm. That was information I didn't get, which is why I didn't write it down. Yeah. But originally, yeah, they wanted it to be 35, which is also, I think, I think that just goes well with really cold landscapes because it gives you like film grain sometimes Uh. and the movement. All it does is make the snow look even more incredible. Swim, breathe, squirm. Yes. Exactly. The squirm. Exactly. (laughs) Um, So. Squirm. Live, love, love. <laughs> but I think that it, if they had done it on 35, it would have looked incredible. 
I, I mean, I think that film and cold settings look amazing. I already said that, mm. but um, like think about the hateful eight. Um, I don't know mm. if you've seen it, but have, yeah. That, okay, yeah. So that movie was made to be on seventy millimeter. But again, looked incredible because one, 70 millimeter is an even wider shot than scope. So you get those wide landscapes. Okay. But also if you do get film grain, which like it's inevitable, you're going to get it. Um, it just looks great because yeah. it's snow. It's, I don't know. It gives you such a good feeling. Yeah. So I can see why they wanted to do that with this. I think it would have looked really fucking cool. Uh, it probably would have been flat though, but whatever. Point is, <laughs> I get it. I think it's really cool. And I think that because it looked like landscape paintings, it gave you that feeling that the landscape was so important because it was like yeah. the landscape was one of the most important parts of this movie hmm. because they kept talking about it. Like we know the cold, we can live here. We they can't their advantage. Yes. They move when blizzards happen because they know blizzards. They know that they can't be seen. The so conditions. exactly. So like without the weather and I think without giving us those amazing shots of like, showing how sprawling and like how wild it can be you wouldn't appreciate it as much and i sure did so so much like black coat's daughter it reminded me of imitating art to like still art to show you Hmm. what you need to see i don't know i don't know how to explain it eloquently no you did okay (laughs) yeah i know that was gorgeous i'm rambling but i just really liked the way this movie looked and i was very like hyped about it so i'm having trouble keeping my poor little thoughts in line but that's how i felt <sighs> moving on unless kate i'm sorry i've been talking and talking oh no i love this part are you <laughs> when i just ramble about because <laughs> i i was like i noticed that camera angle when it was the overhead <laughs> oh, <laughs> that, that is overhead shot that's like, yeah, no, no. i try so hard and i Dude, cannot see what you see there are two overhead shots and they are gorgeous because one has the lights on still when people live there. And then the next one is just death and fire. Blood and I'm snow. like, oh, that's so cool. Because it just shows you like isolated and happy in an isolated and just fucking nothingness. Like, oh my God. There's something I love about a scene where you see multiple conflicts happening at once or just multiple oh, situations occurring simultaneously. And they overlap and things happen. And to me, it's just so amazing when you get such a sprawling look at life and death happening all, all at once. At once. It's and you don't like follow one person through it. You just see this is what's happening. happening. And I think that it, sh- it just goes to show you that like it's it's bigger than you. Like, you know, like just because, I don't know. It gave you the sense that even though there was one main kind of character in this, that he was not alone in this and that yeah. like every person was going to feel the the pain of this yeah. situation. So like you said, with those shots where you're not following a person, you're just seeing things happen. It just shows that like this is affecting a whole town. Just because this guy is our main character does not mean that like everyone else is not feeling this, Mm-mm. which is really cool. Um, so yeah, those overhead shots are <laughs> incredible. I love them so much. And then my other note, um, the contrast of the blood the contrast of the blood was so good. It was so good. I think, my exact quote was, I think the contrast of the blood against the snowy landscape and the fact that this movie uh, does not have a lot of color is incredible because it almost feels like black and white for so much of the movie until certain shots happen and then you kind of forget. Yeah. And it's like, they don't need oversaturated colors or bright lights to show you that this movie has color yeah because it's been so dark in one color for so long that they get away with really subtle colors yeah and it just takes you back so like 
when they're in the attic and everything feels warm. Mm. It makes you feel warm just because you've had such cold settings until then. And then same with the blood. You've got absolutely nothing happening. And then all of a sudden there's just this dark red blood all over this town. And it's just like, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> I think it, I think it scares you more. And I think that it's well done because also it's so easy to go overdone. I don't know. Yeah. I think you can do blood way too gross. And I think it was really interesting that this comes from a graphic novel where mm-hmm. historically it's very much like, have you seen V for Vendetta? Uh, no, I have not. Okay, I'm trying to, uh, 300. Okay, yeah. You know how, like, they have the, like, slow-mo. Super and, stylized. Like, the blood, like, spurting slowly. Yeah. yeah. So it's, like, very stylized. And I feel like I read an article, I can put it in my show notes, mm-hmm. where they were like, yes, it came from a graphic novel, but we didn't want it to look like it was a graphic novel in terms of, like... I think I read something similar. Yeah. yeah. And so you had, like, the frame set up where you have, like, the landscape and right. like, all this. So you did have, like frames of a graphic novel mm-hmm. but the motion of the blood was not graphic novel right like, the violence was not graphic novel yeah i read that the the graphic novel was used to get like establishing shots mm-hmm. like they wanted to show you like the landscapes and how similar it would be to this graphic novel but they were like we're not gonna give you that over which i'm not saying i dislike that i think it's really cool when you have a stylized yeah. film like that i think it's neat but this one i think it was better this way i think it's yeah. so cool that yeah. how realistic the blood is because you don't have to make it too wild, kind of like Evil Dead style, where it's super, super red or like milky or whatever. You almost can't because yeah. like there's so little color in the movie that like your blood has to look at least a little realistic or believable because it, it's in so stark contrast yeah. to white that you want it to look cool, you know? Yeah. So... I think they did a I think they did a really cool job. It looks great on the snow. It, it's like yeah. a more bright red than I mm-hmm. feel like real blood maybe, but I didn't care cuz I yeah. was like it looks fucking dope. <laughs> this is going to be like so ridiculous. But one of my pet peeves in uh-huh. movies with fake blood is when it doesn't like when it dries red cuz like blood dries brown, black. like or black brown, or brown to yeah. black, yeah. It does not dry bright cherry red. No. It turns color. So it's right. like to me when like you see them in the darkness and they have dried blood on their face, it mm-hmm. looks like dried blood. Right. It doesn't look like they have on red them, corn it looks syrup. so good. Yeah. On their on the like faces, I think it looks dope as hell. And they're super pale too. So like you gotta be careful because it's gonna be so intense yeah. no matter what you do. Um and you're right, it looked great. And when it's on the snow, it does mm-hmm. look very red, but it's almost red just because of the contrast yeah. of the colors. And because Not. it's, like, fresh out of the face. Exactly. <laughs> so gross. Yeah. Um, those are my notes on, like, the cinematography, which, yeah. sorry it was so long. No. I just really liked this, so I was like, oh, I'll talk about it. Um, I think I have one more thing about, like, my favorite shot, mm-hmm. and then uh, we can just talk about sweet, sweet scares, because okay. I was excited about that. I also do want to hear, if you want to talk about it, like, your thoughts on the creature design. Oh, yeah. Because I want to okay. hear that. Let me get to my note, favorite shot, and then yes. I'll talk about the uh, creature design. Cool. Because I did have uh, some notes on that. <clears throat> uh, so this is my favorite shot. It's really subtle, and I feel like it's not one that would stand out, but I just really liked it. Um, another amazing shot that looks like a painting, uh, it's framed beautifully, is when Sheriff, I don't know his name, Josh, okay. I'm calling him Josh Hartnett. Yeah. Um, is standing in the A-frame of the attic, mm. and there's the A-frame of like, the attic ceiling. There's almost like triangles among triangles just framing him. And he's right Hmm. in the center, crouched down. And he's framed by people sitting around him Mm -hmm. in the attic. And like some people are closer to the camera. 
some are further away and he's talking, but he is perfectly in the center. Um, and I said, it, it's just, he's so beautiful. <laughs> and it wasn't even one that was like outside with like brig, you know, brig with like big colors. And I don't know. It was, um, so pretty. Yeah. <laughs> if I can get a picture of it, I'll give it to you and put it in the show notes. Like I'll pause it maybe or something because it is so pretty. Yeah. It just looked like a Renaissance painting. Okay. It's so gorgeous. The way it was framed, like it had like absolutely perfect framing, mm. which I don't know. It was just so balanced. I don't know. I was just, I was just having an art moment where yeah. I nerded out and I was just like, whoa, <laughs> their rule of thirds is incredible. <laughs> it that. was so good. Yeah. And it's not even, it doesn't happen for like a second, but fuck is it good? I'm going to, I'll make sure I get it for you. Okay, yes, <laughs> it was a it. moment that's not like. Yeah, I'm sure if you typed it into Google and you said like 30 days a night, great shot. It would not come up, I'm sure. But I thought it was fucking gorgeous. Um, so that was my cinematography note. Oh, the creature design. I I just liked it because they have like kind of modern clothes, mm-hmm. but also a weird mix of like not. So it obviously gives you the sense that they've been around for a while and that they've been stealing from people. And that's unsettling as fuck because it's like, oh, they've been doing this for a while. <laughs> Um, but also they, they had really subtle uh, things about them, yeah. which freaked me out. Um, like their teeth are sharp, but they're not like overly long or anything. Yeah, you don't have the vampire fangs. You have predator teeth. Exactly. And it's subtle enough that like when they first show up, it, it's almost like, are they vampire? Like what's, <laughs> not that they're zombies, but I, but genuinely like they look human until you get too close and then you're like, oh, and I think that's a really cool character design. I think it's subtle. Um, and I think that keeping it subtle was smart because you have that awesome moment where Josh Hardent, our sweet lead, puts his hood up and that's enough to hide the fact that he is turning into one of these. Like it's yeah subtle enough that he can put it up and yeah. be like, no, I'm good. Like, don't worry. <laughs> and even they don't know. Yeah. So it speaks to the fact that they kept the character design pretty, pretty subtle, pretty cool. I just thought it was neat. They have those sharp teeth and those eyes that are so dark, but not like they don't cover their whole mm-hmm. eye right correct right so it almost could just be like oh that person just has dark eyes some people do just have really dark eyes yeah. so everything about them is just plausible of yeah. being a human you're like maybe yeah something but, they did in post was like to shrink the eyes and move them slightly and it, so yeah. to me it's like that uncanny valley of like they're not quite where you would like picture them yeah. to be well, it would make sense, too, that they wanted to make them almost look shark-like or snake-like. Because, yeah. like, their eyes being kind of further away, it's a, it's a predator thing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. To be able to see, like, further around you. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're Terrifying. the gatherer, so it's okay that you don't know I, that. Right. I am the gatherer. I go pick up the pita bread. You yell at the trucks. The red truck, yes. <laughs> you are the hunter that yells at the red truck. <laughs> I simply grab the food. Mm-hmm. Um, But, yeah, that, that's a predator thing, right? To have their yeah. eyes. And I think that's... I don't know. It's subtle. It's cool. And like looking at images, I'll show you pictures after and I can put them in my notes, mm-hmm. but I really think they are going for like a shark-like it, image. They looked very shark-like. Because like Iris, the vampire that gets like yes. burned by yes, the sun, yeah. like to me, the way she they sloped like her nose, like <laughs> it looks very shark-like. I think that that's such a, I don't know. I feel like that I haven't seen any vampires that look like that. Like that's such an interesting design to me. Yeah. To make, to just choose an animal that is so not on land like mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's just weird but i like it a lot um and i think it does also 
I took this, I spoke about it a little bit in the beginning. I don't know how true this is, but I was taking it that they form into that the longer they are vampires. Yeah. I could definitely see that logic. Like, and I don't know if that's true. I also haven't read the graphic novel, so I don't know. But like the leader, in my mind, he became the leader by just being a fucking badass. Yeah. In the like, book or in mm-hmm. the graphic novel, he's not actually the leader. He comes and oh, gets okay. uh, roosted by the real leader, Vincente. Ooh. Yeah, so Marlo is just like a hedonist. He's like, we're going to get all the blood we fucking want. And he does yeah. that. And then Vincente comes and he's like, dude, you're blowing our cover. And oh, so the interesting. reason that like towards the end of the month, Vincent's like, they're going to discover us. Like we tried so hard to make them think we were bad dreams. No survivors. Right. Like kill everyone. That's because he was two characters folded into one. That's Vincente that comes in the graphic novel. That makes sense. Okay, so cool. So it would also fit with your like him not being the eldest. I assumed that like vampires had like the eldest would right. be the lead. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that way. So the only... Be- yeah, the only reason I, I thought maybe he wasn't the eldest was because of Josh Hartnett coming in, and when he does yeah. kill him, they all back away, and it makes me feel like it's not an eldest thing as much as it is like an alpha, like, who yeah. is the toughest, who's going to lead us, and it yeah. just happens to I, be him. Yeah. I guess I thought they had to be the same, that the toughest had to be the oldest, and that's right. not how it works. That's not how it <laughs> and, works. <laughs> and maybe I'm wrong, but that no. that was my thought, because like some of them didn't have the same features. Some of them looked like... Uh, just humans almost with exaggerated teeth and some of them looked like you said very shark like yeah so my thought was like they must they must form into this like they're adapting to something like to the life that they're in and maybe he just hasn't been one very long yeah i just i keep thinking of like buffy and a few other ones where like when they go vampire they have like bat like faces yeah and so there's always been this internal and external consistency to Mm -hmm. vampires appearances within a work yeah so like in twilight they're all fucking gorgeous they don't look like bats this is the skin of a killer bella (laughs) (laughs) just so beautiful Uh and then in buffy like they look normal they look normal and then they go vamp yeah. And so, like, to me, I was just like, why don't they all look the same? <laughs> I was so frustrated. I think this could also just be me wanting to find a reason to. No, I think that that makes sense, though. Yeah. I, uh, it's my reason now. I'm, I've decided, like, that, that's got to be something. I don't know. Yeah. But that was what I took from it. Because I was like, there's got to be something here. Or, yeah. like, you know, everyone says, probably just a glaring plot hole. <laughs> I don't know. Um, where they got like half of them like shit we don't have enough like, makeup for the shit well, we ran okay. out of budget um you're a shark you're not like <laughs> they, like we spent all our budget on the tiger and we scrapped that scene no <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I that has to be something I hope it is I hope that there's reason uh whoever directed this hello uh David Slade hello if you can let me David know David Spade you can also answer if you David know David Spade also if you know uh-huh. let me know um cool I just want to know you going? I have to. Sit just different. getting up a little bit. I'm taking a little. <laughs> I'm just like she won't see. Of course. Oh, I saw. <laughs> um, but now we're talking about the scares. Yeah. Which oh, I think this is hard. Blends into the 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 pff, character design. Yeah. Because the subtlety is what scared me. Is just because I was like, they look like they could be kind of human, and then you know they're not. Like. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they freaked me out. They didn't have a. Uh, that normal, like you said, character, like vampire characteristics that you yeah. look for. So I just didn't know what to expect. And I was like, I hate this. Like, <laughs> And it is also scary when you think they're zombies and then they're vampires. <laughs> I recommend going into this movie with the wrong assumption. Uh-huh. It really gives you like two movies in one. Because <laughs> I was sitting here like, these are the weirdest zombies I've ever seen. Ponty pulls about aliens. 
<laughs> okay, you know, <laughs> anything can be about anything if I say it is. If you sing it, that means it's if true. If you sing it, it means it's true. As I said in the what, the last episode. Yeah, when I got North and South Carolina mixed North up. and South Carolina. I was like, sure, okay. man, if you sing it, that, that's it. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was really scary. I think that like you said about the blood and like the big overhead shots of seeing multiple mm-hmm. deaths and then the blood, big giant, like you just do a lot of comparisons between what happens in the beginning and how nice and serene this little town looks. And then you get that shot of everything going to hell. <laughs> mm. So scary. Um, what, what was scary about it? Like for you? Well, if you thought it was scary, but did you have anything that you were like, I it's, like that. It's really hard for me to pick out like a specific scene because I'll first of all say anytime there's like quick movement and a little noise like that, that always gets me. It, Every single fucking time. It really time, gets me too. It's a classic thing where it's like the, you barely see it because it moves too quickly. Yeah. It's in the background. It's like slightly in the forward. Like when it's accompanied by a noise, that type of jump scare always gets me. Right. So those are just like, I don't even remember when they happen. I just it's know not... that it like startled me. Um, yeah. I also... God, I'm trying to think of, like, certain things created tension in a way that I thought was really cool. Like, where you slowly see the town, like, um, you see the sad, sad dogs get slaughtered. Yeah. And then you see, like, the cell phones burning and all these things start to, like, pile up. Yeah, until that's shit really, the fucking really fan. unsettling. And so... <sighs> now you're good. It's hard for me to choose a scariest moment, but I think I'd have to say... That, like, the scariest moment for me was the overhead. Because you mm. see all of this happening, and you see them trying to fight back, and it's not doing anything. It does nothing. They're not making a dent. And so this is the point where you're like, what hope do they have then? And yeah. it turns out their hope is hiding long enough. And that's fine. Like, that yeah. gets the job done for, right. like, 20-some days. But I thought it was... But you gotta do something at some point. Mm-hmm. And... I thought it was really... It's like that moment where you're like, oh, it's hopeless. Okay. Yeah. I wonder how they're gonna pull this out. <laughs> God. Yeah, I I agree. I think that it's, I think a hopeless situation, but like when people are still really trying to give it their all, it's just really scary because it makes you feel hopeless Mm. because you're like rooting for them, but you're also like, this ain't gonna work. Like, you know? You are unnamed. You will die. Right? You're like, this is it. Um, Star Trek red shirt. Oh God. I I know my scariest moment. The minute it happened, I was like, Mm. I don't like that at all. And I think... Anytime we have a movie where the thing that you're fighting is super intelligent, freaks me the fuck out. Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, we had... I'm trying to think if, like, when we had uh, The Ritual, mm. it, it was, like, intelligent, but it was also just very old. Yeah. So it wasn't necessarily murdering because it was, like, food or this or that. It was just doing it because of tradition. Like, yeah. But this was, like, they needed a food, but also they were, like, playing with them. And also they were just fucking smart so my scariest moment is when they're on the roofs and they're looking out the window and they go oh look there's the girl like blah blah blah, and they go let's go get her and then he goes look at the roofs behind her and they're all just crawling and jumping from Mm. the roof and i was like ew (laughs) i hated that they were using her Mm -hmm. and it was oh my god and then you get that incredible moment where she says something about god and he just like looks up and he goes god and he looks right back at her and he goes, no, God. And yeah. I was like, ew! That moment was chilling. Because he's like, chilling. God, if you're here, say something. Oh, no he's just so mean to her. He's like, no, God. He just, no, God. And it's it's great because like he clearly like they don't speak really like that. They must know a little bit enough to 
Which means that they've been around long yeah. enough to pick up on language from some people, probably from people begging for their lives, and that's fucked up and scary. So this is something that I loved about Ugh. the vampire design, is that they have their own language that works yep. for them, and it works for what they do. So like they have screeches and shrieks and, that communicate yeah. effectively, and so then they also have... Like, the comments that I read were had a lot of problematic bullshit in them. Like, um... One of them were like, oh, I loved how it was like a savage language. And I was oh, like, oh, God. that has a really, really bad connotation in terms no. of like indigenous folks and like the epithets and like all these things. Right. So really fucking problematic because to me, it was like, they understand English. Like they understand what the protagonists are saying. At least enough. And they're choosing not to use it because they don't have to. And it's scarier when they're communicating with each other perfectly and you have no idea what the fuck is going on. I so to it. me... It was like a mark of intelligence because they're bilingual. First of all, it's impressive. Right. Uh, anyone that speaks more than one language. Impressive as oh well. <laughs> and then they also like, they have language that suits their needs. Right. And it, I read um, a little bit about it, that it was like they had a linguist on, mm-hmm. you know, staff that like helped and everything. And they just wanted to keep it super simple because yeah. they're like, we don't want to talk too much because I think it ruins it. Yeah. It ruins the illusion. And, um. They also don't always tell you what they're saying. Like Mm -hmm. sometimes they'll talk and you'll get subtitles. Sometimes they'll talk and you get nothing. Mm -hmm. And I think it's like you said, it works for them. Mm -hmm. And it's really, it's like clicking and it's like, it's like noises. It's not a language as much as it is just like sounds that they know mean something, but you don't. And that's so scary. Like that also reminds me, I don't, I can't think of it like off the top of my head, but some languages like very tonal languages. And so it's like, the way you say something right. is just as important as what you're saying. And like there are sounds in your throat that are part of the language. And so I feel like as someone that only speaks one language, I have a very limited understanding of the range of forms that language can take. Right. And so to me, it's really fucking cool to hear when they are like communicating via shrieks because that had a specific tenor to it. It had a purpose. And right. It meant something to them. Yeah. So like it might be just a scary noise to us, mm-hmm. but to them it's like they're talking and I hate that. Yeah. And I think what's also super scary is that they clearly were very good at communicating just like body language and looking at each other. Like mm-hmm. that moment where she's thinking about going into the house, the lead, the, the girl, Stella, is that her name? Mm-hmm. Are you the vampire, the, the oh, vampire. Iris. Iris, sorry. Iris is like trying to be like, hey, I want to go in here and I want to catch this guy. And they're looking at each other for so long. And finally he just like moves his head up and she goes, great. And she looks so happy. And it's like, I don't like what happened. They mm-hmm. clearly just had a full thing right now. And they said nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so scary. Yeah. Um, and it's just, that was, I think, I think that's the biggest scare for me is like, there aren't a ton of big jump scares. I don't think you get a few in the beginning that are really cool. There's, Sorry, I cut you off. Oh, it was just like when they grabbed the guy the very first time they grabbed him. Yeah. He goes nowhere. Like, what would you what would you do if that happened? Like, if you're just standing just outside gone. and you're talking and all of a sudden like, I just boop, was gone. What the fuck? That is such a weird thing. It's not like he left. It's not like he walked away. Someone just like boop, pulled him away. Yeah. That was a, such an interesting scare to me. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. I didn't like that. The other jump scare I'm thinking of. And to me, like, it's not the scariest moment for me because I knew it was going to happen. Yeah. I predicted it. But it still was like, it got me. But right. it wasn't like, oh my God, they really got me. It's like, oh, it was just like, like ooh, all right. <laughs> when the child vampire is yes. in the dark Very doorway. Scary. And you know that she's going to run out. Right. And then she does. And you're like, and, ah! Like, oh. <laughs> she was great. I, I thought that was a cool, interesting, you know I hate scary little kids. So uh-huh. for me, I was like, oh, come on. But when she's like, I don't want to play with this one anymore. 
which clearly means that she can speak English. Like, that's just another thing where you're like, they clearly know. And she also didn't have any shark-like features, which made me think, this is a new... Did she? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, maybe she had been a fucking vampire for a long time. I don't which know. Which I think is interesting because they... I thought it was really cool. They go through among the survivors. I can start and finish a sentence. Uh, they're like, did you recognize her? Did you recognize her? And then suddenly oh, they realize, right. this vampire child was not made a vampire from the village... That just traveled with them. They brought a child vampire and she has a tattoo on her arm. Oh my God. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's terrifying. So she clearly, if my theory is to be believed, she's clearly been a fucking child. She's like the girl from interview with a vampire. She's just like, she's a child forever. And that's so sad. (laughs) God. Uh, But yeah. Those are all my scares Drew Barrymore, America's Sweetheart. America's Sweetheart. (laughs) It's Christian Dunst, right? Can everyone just... It's Kirsten Dunst in Interview the Vampire. And can somebody please just weigh in and let me know, have you ever referred to Drew Barrymore as America's Sweetheart? I don't need to hear if you're like, yeah, that's something she would be. No, do you? I need answers. Have you ever heard someone say, America's Sweetheart Drew Barrymore? Weigh in. Either message me on Twitter, message the podcast. I don't care. I need need an answer. So if you're listening... Fucking let us know. <laughs> this th- this is gonna this destroy is Kate Nye's relationship. <laughs> we need to know. <laughs> okay, but but those are my scares. I'm sorry I rambled. No. I was very hyped about the cinematography, and I, I nerded out a little. I kept nerd corner shorter because I was like, I know we're gonna talk about a lot of stuff. <laughs> I was I was very excited, so I was like, I hope I hope Kate knows. Like <laughs> I was just really happy. Um, yeah. So those are all my notes, I think. I mean, I've got other, like, basic ones about, you know, the horror and stuff, but we've covered all the things that I thought were scary about yeah. it. Are you ready for tropes? Hell yes. <sighs> okay, we've covered this one before. Don't remember which movie it was for. Uh, and then John was a zombie. <laughs> and the trope is, like, when the monster fighter becomes the monster that they previously fought. Mm-hmm. So in this case, Evan sacrifices his own humanity in an effort to save the rest of the survivors. Mm-hmm. And he's banking on being able to retain his humanity long enough to not kill all of his loved ones right. in the process. It was a gamble. <laughs> I saw Sometimes you regret taking you that gamble. <laughs> you mentioned this earlier and I was like, oh, I can't wait until I get to tell you the trope name for this. Oh, no. Decapitated army. So, this is a literal and figurative trope. Yeah. So, it's typically like a war slash battle trope, but yeah. the protagonist defeats the general or lead of the opposing army. Army? <laughs> I was going to let it fly, but I'm I was not... like, I don't know about that. <laughs> let me try to capture the essence of yeah, the sentence yeah, yeah. again. <laughs> the protagonist defeats the general or lead of the opposing army, mm-hmm. and the rest of the soldiers just kind of dip. Bye. Yeah, so cutting off the head of the army, so to speak, kills the army. Yeah. You only have to vanquish the leader. And then everyone else will just be like, guess I'll go home. And so Eben literally rips through Marlo's head, and the rest of the vamps are like, I forgot to switch the laundry. See just you guys. Go. Bye. I left the oven on. That's embarrassing, guy. <laughs> Curling iron. Shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, so that's decapitated army. Oh God. Yeah. That's great. I love that one. Uh, feral vampires. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because it's a sub-genre of our vampires are different. Which yeah, is yeah. like one of the creature tropes. Our ghosts are different. Our zombies are different. Our yeah. werewolves are different. Uh, and this one is cyclical. So vampires over the years have gone through phases. Yeah. Uh, so cyclical trope. We'll get into it like when we actually talk about like 
a vampire movie. Because right. to me, they just this happened is... to be vampires, but it wasn't about... Right. The it's a zombie movie. It's a zombie movie, yeah. Yeah. So, they... Uh... I just kept my fingers really? seriously. <laughs> you do that. Uh, so there are a lot of different places that like vampire lore has sprung up in different ways. It's been leveraged, but it does go through these like pendulum swings of, oh my God, they're like hideous creatures of the night. Oh, they're kind of sexy though. So you're like, oh <laughs> God, is that <laughs> blood? Like, yeah. So it's really interesting to see like the cycle yeah. of cyclical tropes because sometimes it's a gradual shift but sometimes it's like you have this trope and then it becomes a subverted trope and then it becomes like a discredited or a mocked and so sometimes it's like the parody of it becomes the actual norm right and the parody of that and so it comes all the way back around it's really interesting <laughs> huh uh and we'll get to more cyclical tropes i'm sure right uh leave no survivors yeah so this is invoked by marlo he says that in order to preserve the safety of the vampires, everyone must die. And that leads into the next trope, the masquerade. <laughs> this is my favorite one. I was super excited about covering this one. Yeah. Because there's a tab on TV tropes that isn't on every page, mm-hmm. but is on some of them, and it's called analysis. Oh. And that's just like Kate bait. Yeah, know? I was going to say, I was like, <laughs> you love that. <laughs> I love that shit. So the masquerade, as a trope, refers to the cover-up of a vast conspiracy. Oh, yeah. In okay. Men in Black. Agent K reminds yeah. Agent J that they do not just tar- discharge their weapons in public. Will Smith's character reminds Tommy Lee Curtis. Tommy Lee. Is it? It's Tommy Lee Jones. No. <laughs> Tommy Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis and Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I'm just going to fix my nose real quick. Oh my God, you know? <laughs> I told you that I know the difference Jones. between them, but I really can't get their names. <laughs> Oh Jamie's God. also like a stereotypical male name too. Yeah. So yeah. with like anyway. <laughs> yeah. Tommy Lee Curtis. <laughs> yeah. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. Will Smith's character reminds Tommy Lee Jones's character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're looking at me with like pity and judgment. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> write it again i wrote tlc as a shortening for it <laughs> the consonants <laughs> oh, i was yeah. like i don't have to look it up i remember his name you certainly remember that name <laughs> will smith's character mm-hmm. says to tommy lee jones's character uh-huh. there's an alien battle cruiser of course i'm going to discharge my weapon in public and TLJ retorts that there's always an alien battle cruiser or something similar. Yeah. And the only reason that the men in black can actually do their jobs and keep the public safe is because people don't know about it. So, like, the masquerade protects them. So the purpose of the masquerade in terms of, like, film and literature is to allow the willing suspension of disbelief. It's basically, like, heading us off at the pass. So how does this vast governmental agency exist without the public knowledge? How have we lived among aliens without the news covering it 24-7? How do vampires exist without a designated squad of vampire hunters for each county? How? The masquerade. It allows the plot to be the plot. Right. Because it allows us to have that willing suspension of disbelief. Like, okay, yeah, aliens do live among us, but most people don't know about it because of the men in black Mm -hmm. and their flashy pens. Yes. Obviously. The flashy pens. 
but this is where I get to the analysis part. The masquerade is still like a really big hand wave. Mm -hmm. And a hand wave is like instead of thoroughly filling in a plot hole or explaining the plausibility of something, there's a quick little hand wave where we get like backstory or phlebotinum or a retcon that explains it with minimal effort. Yeah. It's like, oh, of course, because we have this invention that does this, duh. Yeah, duh. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> So the masquerade can be a weak way of protecting the plot and supporting the willing suspension of disbelief, but it's commonplace. It's a really common occurrence yeah. and, like, trope. Why? Well, the analysis tab on TV Tropes has this to say. It makes the audience feel special. Uh. Billions of people pass their days not knowing anything about this, but you're one of the special few who know. <gasps> Me? Mm -hmm. You're in on the secret. And for horror, it amps up the tension, too. You know the truth. Why would anyone believe you, though? <gasps> How will you convince the masses to heed your words before their impending destruction? I can't. This is a bit of why the masquerade is enduring. Yeah. That's so neat. <sighs> I thought it was so cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Oh, spooky. And it reminds me of the thing that you said in It Follows, where it's like the director trusting their audience to, like, find the right thing. And to that, like, in this moment, it's the director yeah. inviting the audience, like, I'm going to tell you a secret. Are like, you ready? Come in close. Welcome. Yeah. You ruined the word welcome for me. Welcome. 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 No. It's not welcome. You could you didn't have to say it and you said it. Those are my tropes. Criminal. That's a good trope. I'm a dwindler. You're a dwindler. Yeah, those are good. I like those. Um this reminded me just cuz this this isn't a trope, but this is one of our like content warnings that is always yeah. in the content. This has popped up so many times I thought you were trolling me. I look at the content warnings, obviously, to post them on Twitter. This one kept being in every single one. And I was like, there's no way that happens in every movie. Are you kidding me? Is it me? a head is squashed? Yes! <laughs> a head is squashed is in, like, every movie. Yeah. And I'm always like, no, it's not. There's no way. And then it always happens. And I'm like, oh, my God, they squashed a head. Mm -hmm. Every time I put it in, I was like, there's no Where way. Where was oh. it in Gremlins? Because you were the like, head is squashed Gremlins. The head explodes in Oh, the okay. So, yeah, that so that one was a bit of a, like... Because I was looking. I was like... That is squashed. Like, where? Yeah, so on Does the Dog Die, which is where I get the content yeah. warnings, um, they have, like, little comment sections. Mm -hmm. So, like, each one will have, I've, like, I've seen it, yeah. yeah, where they can, like, be like, hey, this, so, yeah. yeah. And so they'll say, like, oh, if you don't want to see violence against animals, it's in this, like, minute, second, right. minute, second, like, scroll here. Scroll yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Skip to here. Yeah. Um, in this one, it was like, well, it doesn't technically get squashed, but it, but, does, like, it explode. does explode. Yeah. So. I assumed that's what it was, but I was just like. Every movie? More movies than you think have More squashed movies heads. than you think have squashed heads. Yeah. Boy, that's weird. Huh. And there were actually kind of two this movie because one of them is squashed squash and then on one it. of them is exploded outward, which is not exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was gross. But it's gross. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's all I had. I will say one of my other favorite shots, mm -hmm. just before I forget, is when they kill Billy. Poor Billy. Oh, God. And he is in mid scream. That, that was my shriek. contender for second scariest moment. I was like, it's between that and oh. the, the roof. But it really freaked me out when he screams and then they cut his head off and yeah. then his face just stays that way. Yeah. And I'm like, ew. <laughs> so this movie's got him. This movie's got the scares, I think. I think yeah. it's cool. I think it's got really uh, a versatile uh, bunch of scares, I think. It has a range of different types of horror as yeah, well. Because yeah. like Billy killing his family, that's dark as shit. Like, we just watched, like, the massacre of dozens to, like, a hundred people. But him trying to mercy kill his family Fucking is scary. dark. But also, like, what do you... And, and then, then he tried to kill himself, but the gun jams, and you're like, 
and he just sat there and and then Eben is like you have family you don't hurt your family you don't hurt your family and so Eben is Eben is going through vicarious trauma or like trauma of his own it's 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 a lot that was that was a heavy fucking moment that was the hardest part of the movie for me there's a lot there's a lot in this movie a lot of content warnings one so careful but also like if you're looking for a movie that just has like a very wide range of scares but yeah. is also really fucking pretty. Yeah. Uh I highly recommend it. It rem- like I said it reminded me a lot of a bunch of movies we've covered because it was so much like different things. Yeah. Like I it had a bit of everything. It yeah. was like a little buffet of Would you say fun for the whole family? I would say totally fun for the whole yeah. family. Bring the kids. Uh-huh, I mean uh-huh. five and younger, they'll love it. Oh my god, they're going to love it so There's much. There's a kid in the movie. It's for There's kids. There's two kids in the movie. Yeah. Guys, no, don't. Don't take it's your kids. So oh my god, scary. <laughs> uh, it's not like scary. Like this is gonna sit with me forever, and I'm really gonna think about it. But it, it was fun to watch, and I was always on the edge of my seat, kind of like, "Ooh, this is weird." Yeah. It was it's, a long runtime, but it didn't yes. feel like no, it not at all. It, it even though they are stuck in like one place, and also it does take place over thirty days. Like it doesn't feel like it. It it has a nice pace, I think. Yeah. Even plot holes, just <laughs> ignore them, guys. Just go into this with the thought of like, yeah, these plot holes are not great, but who cares? Who are they? I don't know them. I don't know them. Just, she doesn't even go here. She doesn't even go here. You don't need them. It, I liked it personally. I think it's time to rate the movie at this point because I keep talking about how much I like it. Wait, is it? It is. Okay. I was like, oh God. No, I'm just thinking of what I wrote down for a rating scale and I don't think you'll like it. Oh no, what? Neck motorboats. Tell me I'm wrong when the vampires go in there and just <laughs> I absolutely don't even need to hear anything else. It's neck motorboats. <laughs> That's the funniest fucking thing I've heard because you're right. They go in and they're just like fucking <laughs> 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 down. <laughs> I was gonna say something and then I kind of forgot but the way that they bite they're not just like ow. They just really <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Okay. <laughs> How many neck motorboats? <laughs> okay. I I think I've got uh I think I got mine. Yeah. Okay. I'm ready if you are. I'm ready. Okay. One, three, two. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Go. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you don't always have to do what I do, Kate. No, I just I want to hear yours first. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm giving it four. I one of my biggest reasons for not being like full five is because like a lot of the a lot of the people in the original like comic they're indigenous and they really just were like bye. <laughs> Seems a little shitty, especially for Alaska, where like yeah. a lot of their culture is indigenous, and it feels like you really erased that. And if it's not indigenous, it's because of the violence against indigenous people. Yeah. So, so it just felt it, it was like okay, like even as soon as it started, I was like white white this is a lot of white people like it just kept going and i was like okay like you didn't make your main character white that's already like shitty when he was in the comic but also like you kind of just made the whole town white it was yeah so for that i was like it's a little shitty i think but um i still think that it's a really interesting film and i think that it's so pretty i think that they did what they wanted to do i think that they wanted a scary vampire movie that wasn't like you said sexy and woo, like what you think of when you think of vampires. They just gave you something new. Um, and it's just, it's really well shot. Like yeah. it's, those, those shots are so pretty. It feels like you're looking at a painting that's also terrifying. And I, I love that so much. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, that's four. I gave it four just yeah. so everyone knows. I don't know if I said that. Four neck motorboats Got because it. 
yeah, I, I had a good time and I recommend this movie to people. Yeah. Just go into it knowing that like the plot is not, it's not going to hold up. No. It's not perfect, but it's an interesting plot. Yeah. See, I was torn for mm-hmm. those at home that couldn't see the right. finger saga. That's weird. <laughs> the finger uh, saga. <laughs> well, uh, I had three and a half and then I undid the knuckle and it was four. Mostly because like, I don't give it five on any front. Yeah. But I do give it three on like the side of plot holes. Right. Erasure of indigenous peoples and like a lot of that. So that's where I would give it like a three or lower. And I don't have anything where it's like, this is a five. But I was like, it's enjoyable. So it's a four. So like, I enjoy the shit out of this movie. I think it's so fun. And I think it has a lot to offer. It's very visually appealing. It's also just like, I don't know. I love it. It it just, it just had appeal. Like immediately when I turned it on, I was just into it and I wasn't distracted. I didn't find myself picking up my phone to like look at stuff. I, I really was just really into it like and this is gonna sound weird for a horror movie but to me it's like an easy watching movie where it doesn't ask a lot of you you don't have to think about complex things you don't Mm -hmm. have to unravel a very complex web of lies it's very straightforward it's It's about what it is yeah it's really like uh (laughs) it's about zombies and that's it guy so that's why like i was at three and a half because like i enjoy the shit out of it so it's a four i have qualms and it's hard yeah whole city but at the same time, I'm not mad about the plot holes. Yeah, that part did not... Honestly, the plot holes didn't even factor into my rating. No. Because I was like, I know they're there, but I just don't care. I, yeah. I like this movie enough to be yeah. like, whatever. It, the plot holes, I feel like you're not watching it for the plot I'm as much as you're... not watching a vampire movie for the plot. No. Like, I'm watching it for the fact that it's really visually pleasing and also interesting and just something I haven't seen before. Yeah. So, like, yeah, if you gotta make something with some plot holes to make it work... I'll forgive you. Yeah. But if your whole movie hinders on your plot, then I'm like, okay, come yeah. on. Like, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, it's a, I can forgive it for that. Yeah. So I think I'm just going to round up. So yeah. it's four. I it's can understand it going back and forth. Cause yeah. like, I felt the same way where I was like three and a half, four, the, the erasing of indigenous people was wild, especially in a place that is so like Alaska, that it's that's, full of indigenous people. That's, that's yeah. who lives there really. Like you can't just, you can't just make a movie in Alaska taking yeah. place in a very rural town in Alaska and then be like, everyone's white here. Yeah. And it's... No? <laughs> it's even more egregious if you're reading it as an invasion yes. of horror. Because it's like this town that is originally supposed to be indigenous people and then is white people. And oh no, someone came in to hurt the white people. Can you believe it? And it's like, okay, come on. Yeah. So yeah, that part is where I'm like, I kind of waffle around where I'm like, three and a half, four, I don't know. But every movie has, I think, issues like that. Yeah. And so if we, yeah, I, I, I think that it's still a good movie. Yeah. Just no. Yeah. <laughs> that like going into it, they're all white guys. Yeah. Uh, so that's, Eight motorboats. Eight necked motorboats. Eight necked motorboats. Yeah. Eight motorboat necks. Yeah. How do you... <laughs> Motorboated necks. Motorboated necks. There yeah. we go. Disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> they really just... <laughs> I hate it. Ew. <laughs> I find motorboating to be weird in general. Yeah. Just like a thing that... Like, listen, I'm not going to yuck anyone's yum. You want a motorboat? Fucking do it. I'm not personally into it. But if someone did that to my neck... Now it's a step too far. <laughs> I'll yuck that yum. Yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> Don't do that to my neck. Don't do that to my neck. You want to bite my neck? You want to suck out my blood? Whatever. 
You get a motorboat at first? We have issues. <laughs> this is where I draw the line. I would personally push the vampire off and with my dying breath, I go, you didn't have to. <laughs> like, like, you've done enough. <laughs> Haven't you done enough? God. <sighs> so does that wrap That wraps it up. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm haunted now. I can feel it. I did that too. I'm sorry. Like, I invoked that. I keep bumping my mic. I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, that wraps up our discussion of 30 Days of Night. It does. Classic zombie movie. I'm done. I'm done roasting you. Uh, if you enjoyed your time with us, we would really appreciate it if you'd rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find us. It, it really helps other people find us. We just got a new one that was like short and sweet. Yes. So like, even it. that, awesome. Yeah. Just like a good podcast. Like, love that. Cool. So, appreciate it. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, so rate and review on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Just Cool With It. Every Wednesday, we'll post a movie for the week. And if it's streaming for Freezies anywhere, we'll put that. Yeah, this one, unfortunately, was, you had to rent it. I rented it from Apple and not Amazon because fuck Amazon. Yeah. Bye. (laughs) Sorry. Sometimes they have to be on Amazon and I get that, but fuck Amazon. Continue. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, You can also check out our extended show notes on our website, justcoolwithitpod.com. You could also take a look at our Patreon at patreon.com slash justcoolwithit. We have some awesome patrons that we'd like to thank. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Kim, Kelly, Nihar, Will, Rachel, Kelsey, Sula, Tim, Beth, Kayla, Meg, Katie, Morgan, Brady, Kenny, and Darby. Woohoo! Every time you do it, I'm like, that's a lot! Every time I do it, I was like, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> I love Patreon. We have a simul watch when this comes out. Yeah. And I'm really excited. We haven't chosen the movie, but yeah. the notifications that were popping off during this episode were from uh, our Discord. Okay, okay, okay. So I, I sense we might have some movie options when Excellent. we get back. I'm excited. I'm excited. So... Yeah. The intro and outro. Oh, right. Yeah. The intro and outro music was created by Anthony Rockazella. And the cover is by your very own Nikki Solomon? <laughs> Graphic design is my passion. <laughs> <laughs> Don't rose me. <laughs> Shifts the text block on word. I just really love God, art, you know? I do this because I love it. <laughs> Not everyone sees it, but like I can hear it. I have like an eye and an ear for design. <laughs> Why am I roasting myself? Why am I doing this? Stop. <laughs> I'm going to motorboat your neck if we don't stop. <laughs> no, what a threat. <laughs> Can we make our best motorboat uh-huh. noise? <laughs> <laughs> I'm in hell. I'm in hell. I don't know why I've done this. We gotta end. I'm done. We gotta go. We gotta go. I'm no more. <laughs>